This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Um, it's midday, it's Saturday the 22nd of August we should be on probably uh, match day three if this was a normal football season but uh, clearly uh, it isn't uh, the lads have been uh, back in training and they had their first meaningful friendly of the day uh, of, a, of, of um, the pre-season yesterday against Cheltenham uh, Dave, Dave Febs with me as usual Ian's going to be joining us Stanley as well if they can work out the uh, technical side in fact Stanley Stan- is in Stanley the Stanley has just joined Stanley is in the room. Stanley is in the room. And uh, Steve, there's another guy called Steve. He's offered to join in. I'll just say yes on there as well. So uh, here we go. So they should all work out how to log in. You've been doing it for ages, so you know how to do that. Um, 4-0 against against Cheltenham, uh, Dave Febbs. Any any thoughts on that, that, that performance? Yeah? What were your thoughts there? I, I guess for a performance, we've only really seen, you know, the the goals highlight, so can't read too much in, into that. Um, I guess the, the things coming out from that appear to be that it's five three two um, from from the shape. Uh, Gregor posted a nice little picture yesterday showing that shape in all its glory, and, and I think from the highlights you, you saw that as well. So looks like that's the way Holden's going to go, which is what he intimated in the the Radio Bristol interview um, a week or so ago. Um, so that's encouraging. I think from a result wise. Four nil, great. Uh, Hat trick for Wales, one for Vyman. I, I think um, clean sheet, never to be dismissed in a in a preseason friendly, or or, or builds confidence. I think. Um, I think if we look at the the lineup that was out there, um, the, the back the back five won't be a million miles away from from what we start with, um, and, and plus a goalkeeper. I, I expect Taylor yeah. Moore is probably vying for that right centre back position um, instead of Zach Viner. Um, the two guys up front. I guess you 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 perm them with with Famara Gigi at the moment, um, depending on whether he's staying or not. Um, and then I think the three midfielders was was probably the, the slight surprise. But I think when when we learned that there was a, another practice game going on later in the day up at Phelan, I think that was more of a let's get some minutes into people's into people's legs. Um, and, and and although I, I think you know the. the the reports coming out that the Backinson had a, had a had a really tidy game in there. 
I think the the recent signing of uh, Joe Williams is uh, probably not going to change that opinion. To, um, that it's it's probably not going to be a, a regular starter for us. Um, but yeah, in, encouraging. I think. I think uh, I think what you said there about the uh, midfield being the surprise. And let's bring in from OSIB for the first time, uh, Stanley. Welcome. Welcome to our merry band. You've got Jesus, I'm a technophobe on there. That sounds like some uh, West Coast American pop group or something. Stanley, what were, what were your thoughts on that lineup? The, the midfield was a real surprise, wasn't it, how that lined up there? Yeah, it was slightly odd. I do wonder who that's why he started. Um, maybe Joe Williams wasn't ready. Maybe he hadn't trained long enough. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a friendly, really, isn't it? A bit disappointed. A bit... Worried that the Portsmouth game's been cancelled. I wonder where we're going to get our sort of pre-season minutes from now. Maybe we don't need as many as I think. Cause it's such a short, a short um, period. But um, yeah, I, I like Masengo. I don't think Alisson's a central midfielder though. That weirded me out a little bit. I know he was playing out wide, but I do wonder if he's one of one of a few wingers that are going to miss out on lots of minutes really under this new formation. Yeah, I mean Zach Vino getting in the back uh, through the central back three. He sort of made that place his own towards the end of the uh, end of last season, didn't he? You know when uh, the you know there was you know, he's he's really come to the fore in the last couple of months, hasn't he? Under um, un, under Dean, I like Zach Viner. I like Zach Viner really. Stanley. I think he's had a, he's had a yeah. strange couple of seasons has he hasn't he really I remember reading such rave reviews when he was at Plymouth they absolutely adored him and that was playing centre-back you know in a, in a league one team that narrowly missed out on the playoffs got young player of the season if I'm not mistaken and then he had you know the loan to Rotherham where he was sort of basically playing as a as a centre-back but in a, on the on the right of a back four because Rotherham was so defensive and getting battered every week I remember watching the Brentford highlights one game and I just felt sorry for him and then he went to Aberdeen and was almost playing central midfield due to injuries. And suddenly he's not in the discussion as a potential starter with his City career, really. But um, no, I like him. I think I'd probably put Taylor Moore ahead of him, really. I think Taylor Moore's probably a little bit more yeah. sound defensively. Viner's great on the ball, but every now and then he gets skinned or he, he makes a mistake. And you think, mm, maybe that, that's a, a clear weakness in a, in a back five. Yeah, I think you can think say, a really... Sorry, I was just going to add Yeah, carry on, Dave. Yeah, carry on. I, I, think, I think you're right. You, you know, he... Bit like Taylor Moore in the first half of the season, where you know there were probably some doubts going into the season as to whether he was championship ready. Taylor Moore certainly got better and better, and, and certainly by the, by the time he went surprisingly out on loan, I don't think there were many fans doubting that he was he was you know championship capable. Um, so that was you know couldn't do any more than that in my eyes. And I and I think Vine has had a similar impact in those last five, six, seven, eight games under a combination of Lee Johnson and. Uh, Dean Holden in terms of kind of pushing himself into the four and showing that actually there, there, there's a there's a reasonable player in there. He wouldn't be first choice for me, but I wouldn't have any qualms about him being one of the the, the centre back cover or potentially even you know if we don't have that much money to spend, possibly be able to play a right wing back as well. I mean, you'd rather he play he or Taylor Moore play than, than mm. we brought another Ashley Williams or we've brought in another Philip Benkovic now for meant to be a team right in the pathway. I hope that signings like that sort of a thing of the past, really, personally. Yeah, you could have, as you say, you could have uh, Viner playing maybe on that right wing back with Taylor Moore in because he was a surprise exclusion, I thought, because this is this is this has to be a big season for uh, Taylor Moore. Let me bring in uh, Steve, a first-time uh, visitor. If you're there, Steve, it says you're uh, connected. I mean, 4-0, you've still got to put the ball in the back of the net four times, keep, keep a clean sheet. It doesn't matter who the opposition are, you still have to do that. Any thoughts from you on the 
the lineup that uh, that Dean put out against uh, the Robins from up the M5, Steve. Uh, uh, good afternoon, uh, gents. I'll, I'll try and um, sort of avoid points that people have already made. Just one thought on Eliasson. Uh, you break the lines out wide, you create chances. You break the lines in the middle of the pitch. I know it's a gamble, but uh, you really do open up sides. Uh, the other one I was going to throw in was the interesting comment from um, Naki Wells uh, on the post-match interview where he made a real point of about um, Andreas Weiman, how Weiman adapts his game to make the best out of Wells, which sums Andreas Weiman up to me, uh, fair play to him. And I just wonder whether that might be a, a, a sort of a thought in uh, certainly Naki Wells' mind. Yeah, Steve, just on that, I made I made a, a, a similar point on on Otib this morning about exactly that. That you know, it was quite a glowing reference of of Andreas Weiman, yeah. and I know they didn't partner each other too many times last season when it, when he joined, but the couple of times they did play together, and I think Fulham at home was one of those games. I saw mm. the kind of movement and interchange between them mm. that kind of bodes well. And, and But then, you know, I, I think going back to maybe the Derby game, I thought Famine Wells linked quite well in that game as well. But I think if we're going to play that high press from the front, yeah, Vyman's mm. got to be a pretty strong candidate to play in there, I would have thought. So, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. He's, uh, personally, I think he's totally undervalued by a, yeah. a large, large amount of our fans, Dave. And I know we've got a lot of similar thoughts, but uh, ultimately they're two internationals. You, all right, for lower nations and Andreas Weimann's predominantly an athlete more so than a, but he's, a, he's, he's played at the top level and so is Naki Wells. Uh, I think those two have got a reasonable chance of uh, actually understanding each other. Well yeah, I mean, Naki Wells certainly seems to be uh, playing with a smile on his face. He didn't seem to look too happy. Do you think uh, that we might see a, a better Naki Wells in the uh, coming season, uh, Stanley? You know, a different mindset. You know, he was he did, his goal scoring record towards the end of the season was sound, but you know, he 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 didn't seem one hundred percent happy, did he? Some of the time. Yeah, there were a few accusations towards him, weren't there? Of sort of, does he really want to be here? Is he working that hard? Which I thought were a bit overzealous and a bit a bit too soon, really. I think he's just not that sort of player. He's the he's the opposite to Vimer in a lot of ways, isn't he? Sort of Nucky Wells. When he was playing well at QPR, was up was up front on his own, sort of just waiting for chances, just sort of you know walk about and then suddenly wait for that Eze to get the ball and he'd make a run and finish it. Whereas Vyman's the opposite; he does sort of everything but score, doesn't he? In in, in some games, although you know he did a right under Holden. Um, I, I hope so. I mean, I think he's got some crazy um, goals per shot ratio or something like. He's the number one in the in the whole championship for shot conversions. So if we can be a team that's going to be high pressing, like Dean Holden said, and creating lots of chances and playing the ball forward as fast as possible, I think if I was Naki Wells, I'd be rubbing my hands with with optimism, really. Um, and I, I think it's, it is interesting, isn't it, hearing Naki Wells talk about Vime? And you do wonder. I think if, if all the city players who play in the opposition third had to put their sort of favourite player to play with. I imagine Vyman would be near the top of that list just because he well, does so. everything, doesn't he? You know, he, he'll press for you, he'll run for you, he'll chase balls down. And I think in Vyman and Jeju, we've got two strikers there who are very selfless in their work. You know, if it's Jeju heading the ball away or holding the ball up and winning fouls, or if it's Vyman, you know, breaking the lines and running and pressing and doing all that sort of, you know, work that no one else wants to do, maybe you can't have two of them in a team. Maybe you need one selfless player and then a selfish player like Naki Wells, either if it's Wells and Fam up top or Wells and Vyman up top, which I think is slightly more likely, like Dave said. Yeah, I think I think just that that whole 
thing that you've talked about there in terms of partnerships, whether that be up front, whether it be centre back, whether it be combinations in midfield, I think that's going to be the key this season yeah. into, is, is building partnerships. And I, and I see it being very much a kind of team rather than it's, you know, let's let's get the ball wide to a on the right and, and hope he creates something. I, th- I think it's going to be a very different way of playing this this season. I think, once again, just going back to the, the, the goal highlights yesterday, I think there was a, a pretty early ball from, from Eliasson, uh, which had picked out Wells' run. There was another one from Backinson that picked out a Wells' run for, I think it was his... Uh, uh, second goal, maybe it's this Tatrick goal, and then I think you know the, the thing that kind of uh, epitomised it for me was the fourth goal, where Jack Hunt picked the ball up, kind of quite deep in his half, took took a couple of strides forward, and then released Wells really early. And I've been saying for ages, Wells makes so many early runs, and if you can pick him, that's when he gets yeah. his four or five yards free, and that's when he's at his most dangerous. It might not always be in the penalty area; it might be that link up that he showed for Vyman as well. So I think you know it, it bodes well looking at it against a, a League Two side who aren't a bad League Two side, by the way. No, so, they missed know. out on the well; they're in the playoff final, weren't they? So as you say, they're not they're not yeah. too bad, and it's decent opposition. It's not like it was uh, I don't know. Uh, Manor Farm or something like that, you know, and they were playing against no. uh, those guys. No disrespect down there. Now, has any any of you guys got an insight into what the lineup was for the other game up at Phelan that was played immediately after? Because those players that we've just been referring to played a straight ninety minutes. But any of you have any idea what that lineup was up there? Because I'll go through the players that were available. But has anybody got an informed chat before I start uh, talking about that? Sorry, if we're playing our own teams, then it doesn't it doesn't really matter because everyone will be playing because it's two of our own teams. It wasn't an external team coming in and playing in a lineup we've picked. It was yeah, basically it was everyone taking on ourselves, if you know what I mean. So two, two, a two kind of mixed. Was it everybody else and so. firsty? Yeah. Yeah. So it might there might be it might maybe there was one strong right. team and one weak team, and that could be quite interesting, but I, I don't know that. But what we do know is that presumably yeah. everyone was involved. The formation would have been interesting if we could have uh, found out, wouldn't it? Mm. Well, and it, it, but it'd be in an interesting formation, though, because when you look at it, OK, O'Leary was up there, as, and I, I think he he's young enough to have one season as a recognised number two rather than go out on loan and maybe just keep Woolacott and have a backup goalkeeper as Woolacott. And we've still got Rene Gilmartin, although I don't know whether he fits in as a coach when we've got Pat Mountain as the official goalkeeping coach. But the only recognised defender up there was Taylor Moore. Now, Tommy Rowe is sort of substitute left back, but it was more. And then we get onto this uh, this area of the field where we just seem to have a surfeit of uh, numbers rather than, uh, I'll say, talent. Um, but if you look at the midfielders who are up there, Rowe has played midfield for us, Casey Palmer, Callum O'Dowder, Sammy Sesmodix, Adam Nash, Liam Walsh, Patterson, New signing Joe Williams and Morrell. That, that is strength in depth, or is it numbers or quality, Dave? What do you say about that? And do some of these players need to move on? Particularly, you know, when you look at, I mean, any three of those could drop in and um, replace Backinson, Masengo, and Elias- Eliasson and offer something different. But you, Dave, first of all, what do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think on the face of it, it does look like we've got too many in there. But I think we've got a long way to go 
towards the end of the transfer window. And I, I think, you know, I, I guess my, my starting gambit on the friendly was around people like Backinson, who it's quite, quite likely that he might get a League One loan. And I think, you know, yesterday might have been a good opportunity to show what he's got. But I guess everyone's got the opportunity to put pressure on the on the new head coach that they're worthy of a place. But I, I think throughout, this, throughout those opening weeks of the season, we'll talk about those, those first 10 games later on. But certainly I think we've got five or six before the window closes, including Cup. And I think we'll know a lot more mm. about it at the end of that. And we'll, we'll even understand whether someone who, you know, Dean Holden thought was going to play suddenly falls by the wayside mm. as well. So we, we, we don't know that. It, but I think we've got a long way to go yet. And, and, and you know, we've, we've heard over the weekend people like Marley Watkins, you know, not, not necessarily a midfielder, certainly not a central midfielder in the roles we're talking about. But yeah, Marley, to be Marley's off, supposed to be going off, to Aberdeen, Aberdeen. Isn't he? so that, that yeah. yeah and, 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 it, and it wouldn't surprise me if we we, we hear some more for, for some of the other players as, as well. So I think we just uh, we just kind of show a bit of patience around that and, and let these, these few 90-minute friendlies that they're going to try and manufacture over the next week or so just prepare them and, and see where we go. Stanley, it's surprising that Masengo got a full 90 minutes. OK, again, it was only a friendly, but he didn't seem to feature at all, all under Dean Holden. Would, could you see Masengo being a player that goes out on loan? And yesterday, him in the starting lineup for a strong 11 was a bit of a red herring. But Stanley, could you see him going out on loan? He's still not even 20 yet, is he? Uh, you know what? I, know I, I, I predicted on the podcast, maybe, I don't know, halfway through the season, once sort of Masengo was, you know, sort of taken out the side by Lee Johnson, that in the summer, Lee Johnson could easily say, oh, he needs a run of 40, 30, 40 games. So we're going to run him out because I won't give him to that like you know, morale and Walsh and everyone else. And I think, whose fault is it that he's not getting a run of 30 games? Is it yours, Lee Johnson? Because you keep signing all these midfielders and then learning out the ones that previously you thought were great. Then we had in January saying, well, well, I'd love a Morel or a Walsh type. Anyway, Masengo, um, no, I don't think he'll go out on loan. I think we're, we're playing a formation where there's quite a bit of fluidity. There's quite a few central midfielders in the team. You know, even if you've got two up front, you know, there's sort of three positions where lots of players could fit in. You know, you could have Masengo, Walsh and Williams or or Williams, Morel and Walsh, or you can bring Masengo on or Palmer or Schmodix or Patterson if you want to go more attacking or take them off if you want to go more defensive. Um, this is going to be a mental season with the amount of games and how thick and fast they're going to come. And midfielders with this sort of high-pressing, fast-moving game, they're probably going to be the ones doing all the running, really. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. I, I personally think Masengo will stick around. Um, to be honest, you I do. think we'll see most of our midfielders stick around, really. Um, if anyone's going to go out online, I'd probably say Schmodix, but maybe he's not part of this sort of true central midfielder discussion here. But yeah. Masengo, no, I-, I think he'll stay around. Steve, um, what are your thoughts on uh, Masengo? Because when he started that first few games last season, he looked what he was, a breath of fresh air, looking to go forward. And then it was almost like he seemed to be more and more oppressed and less effective as the season went on until he didn't feature at all. Steve, what are your thoughts on uh, Masengo's prospects for the coming season? I, I definitely keep him, Dave. Um what better coaches, really, at his age to have around than Simpson and um, Downing? Uh, I also think that if we're not expecting him to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, we'll see a better uh, Masengo. I think if you could mix it up, as sort of Stanley's uh, indicated, with Morel and uh, Williams and rotate them a little bit, I think we'll see the best of Masengo. 
My one worry across the midfield generally is they're all on the edge of the diving board uh, and in Dave Fev's normal uh, ways it's sink or swim time for each of them really, right from Palmer through to Masengo. Yeah. They, they, they could all go one way or the other really. Uh, mm. Personally, I'd offload Palmer and I'd even consider offloading Naj, um, but you might want to keep one of those. Well, that's another... Just want to add it on Masengo. Sorry, go on, go on. Yeah, I think I think one of the things we need to bear in mind with Masengo last season is, is he's come to us as you know just just eighteen, new country, you know new new style of football. Championships pretty unforgiving, and I, and I think there's a there's a massive um, kind of change that you have to go from you know playing predominantly age group football to playing the, the cut and thrust of championship football at a time when your body's still developing as well. And, you know, yeah. and, and certainly I know we've seen since he's come back from, from COVID, he's, he's put some bulk on as well. And that's probably a bit of a necessity to be able to cope with the rigours yeah. of playing lots of times in the championship. And I think that playing games regularly, mm. training hard to try and build yourself up, it probably took its toll probably around Christmas just after. And I think he's just had a bit of a levelling out really. But, you know, those early games were mm. really encouraging. And I, I think there's, you know, his time will come, and I'm sure he'll play a part this season as well. Yeah, this this word uh, rotation came in, and there was an interesting thread on OTIB this week talking, and somebody, the original poster, I think, said, no midfielder should be playing over 40 games in a season. Remember how slow Pack looked towards the end of the, the high-press season? And somebody countered that and gave a whole list of midfielders who played 40-plus games last season. And you look at these players, and they were all the type of player that we've been lacking. And I'll pick extracts from the list. Clish at Leeds, 45. Ben Watson, I think that is 45. Livermore, 45. Klukas, 44. Mowat at Barnsley, 44. The uh, infamous Bannon, 44. De Silva, I think that's uh, the De Silva Josh, at Brentford, Josh 42. Sawyer's at West Brom, 42. Uh, Bellingham, the starlet at Birmingham City, 41. Bakuna, 41. Kenny at Fulham, 39, and Joe Williams, 38. Any of those players that I've mentioned there would probably slot, and one of them has, Joe Williams, straight in and, you know, missing no more than half a dozen games. So having that anchor, be it pushing forward or defensive or creative, every side's got one. and We're noticeable in our absence on that statistic. What do you say to that, Dave? You know, that this rotation, yes, but... Maybe we did it too much. The tombola was out too often last season. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a, a fair point. Um, I would imagine we haven't signed Williams to rotate him every other game. He's going to play, you know, assuming he plays well, he's going to play the vast majority of games. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other slots are up, up for grabs. I think the key thing is, is that you rest them at the right times. And, you know, mm. for, for someone like Joe Williams, you might actually get your rest by not being on international duty. So, you know, I'm so, I don't think he's going to make the, the full Indian squad at his age. So, uh, you know, it's about managing the weight load on on those players. And even, you know, someone like, uh, let's, take, let's take a Joe Morrell, even if you've got 15, 18 first-team games out, out of him this season, that's his kind of breakthrough season. And then you go from there. I think, you know, no one's expecting Joe to play 40 games this season. Sorry, Joe, Joe Morell, that is. Um, so I think we just have to have different expectations of players and, and not see someone like a Walsh or a Morell not playing 30-plus games as being failure on their part. I think, you know, they, this is a it's a step-up playing in the Championship. And I think we just have to just have different expectations. But, but Joe Morell now is 
Yeah, Joe Morrell's 24. What, so when's his breakthrough? You've got kids at higher level breaking through three years younger than him. I mean, Stanley, if you had to pick now, and say there could be a hell of a lot happening on the transfer front between now and the opening fixture, but looking at the players that we've got playing in a 3-5-2 or whichever way you want to put it, what would your starting oh. midfield be? And, you know, Williams has to be one of those, right? But what would your Doesn't starting it? midfield be in the opening game at home at Coventry? Stanley, what do you think? Oh, that's tough. You put me on the spot there. I've just Given the this choice. Talk, this talk of um, players playing over 30 games or 40 games, uh, we're forgetting Josh Brownhill, mind, because he, if he hadn't gone to Burnley, he easily would have hit 40 True. games for us. Yeah. Pretty sure. And he was playing 90 minutes every week. And even with the Burnley appearances, he's up to like 38. Um, despite not playing in their like four of his first five there, so he was our Calvin Phillips, wasn't he? He was our uh, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, whoever you want well, to good. that was the player that we had. Yeah, and now he's gone. Maybe Williams will replace him in that sense. Um, I mean, we talk about Joe Morrell being 24. Yeah. I mean, look, the reason he hasn't, I, I, I'm always cautious to go after Lee Johnson. I think he's done a lot of good stuff and some questionable stuff, but there are players of that age that simply should have played more games for Bristol City by now. I mean, you think of all the sort of bigging up that Mark Ashton and Lee Johnson did of Joe Morrell when he signed that new contract. How many league appearances has Joe Morrell made for Bristol City over his career? One. He's made one appearance when he came off the bench to replace an injured Liam Walsh away to Ipswich, and he hasn't played since. Marlon Pack played 46 games that season and was pretty poor near the back end of that season, clearly needed to be replaced or at least subbed off with 20 minutes to go. It didn't happen, despite Joe Morrell being someone that apparently Lee Johnson really rated and always saw as a player. Um, in terms of my rant, that's over. In terms of my starting three, yeah. um, I'd probably go with, I think it would, Williams probably has to start, doesn't he? And then I'd go, do you know what? I'm not sure people are going to like this, but I'd go for Williams, Walsh and Morrell, to be honest. There you go. How's that? I wouldn't disagree with that. Steve, what do you think? What do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that, to be fair, uh, Stanley. I mean, uh, and Dave's made some good points as well. I don't think we're talking about changing, rotating literally the three and changing two out the three every week. Um, I think you're going to have a, a, a basis, we said, is I would expect Joe uh, Williams to play virtually the whole season. And then mm. the other two places, maybe one might, get snatched up by somebody and the other one may be a bit more a rotation. I think they're all slightly different too. Masengo, Dave's touched on the physical development. Um, and the only thing I'd say, Stanley, with all these youngsters, they, they've got to be ready to play. Whatever age that is, if it's 18, play them. If, it's, if you have to wait till 22 because they've had to develop as a player or physical, play them then. Uh, and that's the judgment call, I think. Yeah. Dave, yeah, what, what, what are your... What are your... Your thoughts, Dave. Dave Febbs, your thoughts on the midfield. First first game of the, the season, I would go with, obviously, Joe Williams. Um, I, I'd really be tempted to play Joe Morrell because uh, I think he just gives you real legs in there as well. But I think the, the, the player I play as the third one in game one is uh, Jamie Patterson. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because he did, he, he did quite well towards uh, the... The end of the season, didn't he? In that in that final nine games run, um, would you agree with that, Stanley? That Pato is 
still very much in contention on a, on a week-to-week basis for the starting lineup, or do you think he starts to become a bit more fringe now that we've brought Williams in and Morrell and Walsh? Uh, if they don't make it this season, they might as well move on. What are your thoughts, Stanley, on that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have Patson written down, really, so maybe I might pretend that you misheard me and I meant to say Joe Patson. Was there. <laughs> um, I, I, do, I do think that he was sort of... I, I do love Joe Patson. He was excellent. I do wonder if him and Walsh should... Uh, uh, going to be wanting the same role in this sort of team? Is there, if there is such a thing? I mean, maybe it is going to be like crazy fluid, and everyone's going to be all over the place in a good way. And you could have Walsh and Patterson, um, but Patterson are good, did he? But again, you do wonder why did we loan him out in the first place? Why did we sign Palmer for four million and get all these players in when when suddenly come January, Jamie Patterson is back and he's the messiah? Actually, you know, who's, yeah. who's, who's making these decisions? Is it, I, again, I, I'm, I don't like being too mean up to Lee Johnson. Um, I'm sure he's upset a lot of people. He hasn't particularly upset me in many ways, but there are just so many signings where you think, why why, why do that? Why, why let yeah, him why? bring him in? Why? You can yeah. sort of do that with Joe Morrell and Liam Walsh. Joe Morrell and Liam Walsh for Marcus Hemrickson, Taylor Moore for Ashley Williams slash Philip Benkovich. Yeah, Marinovich for, oh, I'm going on a rant. Sorry, I'm meant to be the happy dapper here. Um, yeah, Patterson, I think he'd be good. You're very open. You're welcome. Welcome to this non-happy-clappy type environment. I mean, players, I mean, it's interesting you said that. Well, he let Patterson go out on loan and then he signed. He signed Sesmotics, Naj and Palmer. And how much did those three cost when he let that one guy go out? And We've said numerous times on this podcast that we have, we seem to have, you know, four players of a, you know, six, five players of a, a 10 grand a week salary level rather than three good ones because two names conspicuous by their absence in our conversation so far is Casey Palmer and Callum O'Dowder. You know, I mean, if, okay, if Eliasson does go, then O'Dowder becomes a natural fast left winger, but. Can you see Casey Palmer playing much next season, uh, Dave? Dave Fevs? Um, I, th- I think he's fallen behind Jamie Patterson in the in the pecking order, and it's up to him to, you know, show the manager that he's, he's worthy of a, of a place. And I, I think it's Patterson's shirt to to lose at the moment. If if we play with a you know that type of player in that midfield three, I think I think it was Harry on Otip last. Uh, yesterday was talking very much about and kind of certainly matches my view is that I think we're a bit too keen to talk about DMs and CAMs and things like that. We've got a, we've got a group of midfielders who are who have got a range of abilities that can you can blend them in any way you you, you like. Um, so I think yeah, Patson's got to come in and, and show that he's worthy of a place. And if he gets in off the bench, he's got to go and he's got to go and show that he's. he's He's, he's worthy of a start if, if, if that's the case but Patterson's got a drop in form first of all assuming, assuming he's picked I just want to go back to, to kind of Stanley's point on, on Joe Morrell that season when he, when he broke through when I think he made his debut away at Ipswich and then he played a, a few of the FA Cup games um, at the time he was about to go out on loan um, but because Cora Smith injury he didn't and he stayed behind and you thought, well, that's okay. He's going to be featuring in the 18 every week. He did not, once the window closed, he did not feature in the match day 18 at all for the rest of the season, which just seemed an absolute kind of crazy situation, really. It was almost like, yeah, we want you to stay behind, Joe. We don't want you to go out on loan, but, and now we're not going to pick you. And, and, and that seems a, you know, a very strange thing. So I, I think, I'm hoping Dean Holden is going to have a much more 
fair selection policy. If you play well, you stay in. If you don't play well, you, you, you don't. And I think that's what yeah. we need. But, yeah, I mean, if we look at players, if I'm, I'm going to make, say, two names here, that if they left on loan or they were sold, it wouldn't deplete the squad and we could strengthen in areas where we are weak. And Ian's joined us in the studio. I'm going to say that if Adam Nadge was transferred and Sam Smesmodics maybe went to Peterborough, those two went out, we would not need, when you look at the strength that we've got in depth in midfield, if Nadge and Smesmodics went, Ian, we would not need to replace either of them in that midfield setup. Would you agree with that, Ian? Well, I, I think, Dave, that we've, we've got 12 midfield players. And clearly, if, if there was a deal on for Sammy Smodix to go to uh, Peterborough in a, in a kind of exchange deal for um, <clears throat> Ivan Tony, then I'd be quite happy to see to see him move on. But to be honest, we, didn't, we haven't really seen enough of Walsh, Morell, Smodix. None of them uh, have had what I'd call a fair shout a fair chance in a Bristol City shirt. And one of the things that Dean Holden's got to make up his mind about is firstly the formation. Um, I'm not a big fan of Patterson and Voiman in midfield because I think it makes us too weak defensively. Assuming we've bought Williams because we're going to play him, uh, I'd like to see two proper midfield players in there and two strikers. Uh, then you start wondering about what you're going to do with Patterson mm. Byman and all the other lads, so that you've got, um, uh, you know, what do you do with the tens? Do you play with a ten at all, or do you just have a, a more or less flat three in midfield and create from that and make sure that your wing backs get lots of crosses in because that's what you'd need to do. And whilst Hunt can do it, Jada Silva struggles with his crossing. No, you're right. Absolutely. You're right, and Hunt we highlighted in our last podcast as possibly being one of the weak, uh, one of the weaker links that's out there. I mean, uh, Stanley, um, fam situation. He's not back in training yet. Is he back on Monday or is it the Monday after? I don't know. Do you do you think Fam will He's be a Bristol City player Monday. when the season starts? But no, Stan, do you think Fam will be a City player when the season gets underway? Um. I do think he'll end up leaving by the time the window is shut, to be honest. Well, I think the window goes on for a few games, doesn't it? Um, not to be a pedant, I think. By, by, by the time the window's yeah, shut, Yeah, 16th I of October, I think. Yeah, you're right. That's there right. You go. Which is a shame, really. I, I, you know what's been really nice is seeing that so, the change slowly of, of the general perception of fan, really. I think I think people have finally started to cotton on to yeah. what a great job he does up front. You know, I think people maybe they just watch the highlights. Or they just they only watch him. They only they only remember the one miss, you know, that he did. But I think finally there's sort of been this sort of like this sense of what a great job he does in our own box defensively. How hard he works, you know. I think always think that with Vyman, it's always very clear how hard he works because you can see him running from A to B. That's very hard to miss. Whereas with Jed, you don't really see the sort of the tussles and yeah. forget the headers yeah. from his own box. You just remember that he's sort of he's always standing there. But is he working as hard as Vyman? And if he no. does go, I think what's nice is, you know, how, yeah. how in, in my opinion, how in unison the Bristol City fans are now with, in their appreciation for fam. And I guess that's highlighted in the fact he won player of the season. Yeah. No, he's on his game and he looks to be in good physical shape as well because he's one of the likely outgoings. Uh, Steve, do you think, I mean, it was rumoured that Eliasson was going to go off, off 
to Roma or Celtic. You know, I mean, if he went, that's going to raise money. Yeah. And natural replacements for Eliasson is, is O'Dowder. I'm assuming Adelakan's going to go. What about Johnny Smith as well? But, you know, our two outgoings, do you think it will be Fam and Eliasson or do you see anybody else that might surprise us? And um, We've already touched on uh, Watkins going to Aberdeen. Steve, what's your... Uh, thoughts on the outgoings and where, where it wouldn't make too much difference if they went. I think with the uh, two, Elison and um, Famara, I think it will literally depend on whether a, probably a foreign club come in with a, uh, a reasonable offer. And I think uh, we'd, we'd, we'd have to accept on both. Um, I think they're probably both looking to go. Um so, I mean, that is literally dependent on the market. I think I don't think either are irreplaceable. Um, and per, on a personal basis, I'd be more than happy to get most of my money back on Casey Palmer um, yeah. and possibly Adam Nage. I, I, the good thing I do think with Dean, I think quietly he's got probably a inner ruthless streak that he's probably already shown in terms of the Corey Smith and Jamie McAllister decisions and I don't think he'll be like Lee where he'll keep all his options open I think he will make decisions Yeah I mean when you look at this is an unbalanced squad in some respects because let's assume Pham and Eliasson uh, were to go Yeah, we've got Wells and Vyman up front if we're going to finish anything above halfway you know you've got to have two strikers that are going to get between them, 40 goals, yeah? And Wells and Wyman are capable of doing that. But if they get injured, the fullback situation, if Bam and Eliasson go, is Freddie Hines and Semenyo. So I think it was uh, you said, Ian, earlier, they do need a forward up front if Bam and Eliasson go. A big money signing, don't they, to just boost the goal power of the team? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I've I got to be honest, I disagree with you on uh, volume and in. Wells getting 40 goals in a season. I really, I, you know, if, if that happens, you can have my house. Um, yeah. I, I, no, that was, that I, was what the front two should get. And at the moment, they're the only recognised goal scorers, right? If you look at league goal scorers yeah, in their I could, careers, no, I, I, you know, they're, they're in, not going to get 40. They're not going to get 40. But... No, we're, we're in violent agreement here, Dave. I mean, we lost a phobie. So if we needed him yeah. last last season, then we need another striker now. If Fam goes, we need two, one of whom needs to be uh, a more of a what I would call a typical classic centre-forward. In other words, a big bloke, somebody six foot three, and it can head the ball and it can hold the ball up because unless we're going to go for a, a total football, slick passing, two smaller guys up front, get the wide players pushed on, that type of thing, um, unless we're going to go for that, we will finish up playing the ball long uh, at some time. And you need someone who can hold it up and compete. And I, and I think that's an area where uh, we've fallen down in the past uh, mm. in not having that, that player. I don't like using that awful phrase, clubs in the bag. But <laughs> you, you need players that can offer a threat in different ways. So uh, against a packed defence, sometimes an aerial threat is going to do it. And on... For example, if we lose Eliasson, we're going to lose 15 assists. And if, if say, Jack Hunt yeah. doesn't play, and Jack Hunt's another one who's out of contract in a year, as mm. is Jamie Patterson, as is Vyman, as is Nathan Baker. If we lose Hunt, 
that's another nine or ten assists gone. So I, I look at our side and I think, okay, what, where where are the goals and assists going to come from in in our team? And, and at the moment, I'm I'm not a hundred percent confident in it. No, I'd agree. Fair, you, I saw you commented on the, one of the transfer threads on OTIB this morning. We're being linked with uh, a 27-year-old Frenchman, 112 appearances for Charlton, Nobby Saar or Nabby Saar. <laughs> I guess we do need to bring somebody in to the who can play in that back five, either at right side. You know, Taylor Moore's there, but... You know, he's the only defensive cover we've got at the moment on that right side, isn't he? I mean, do you know anything about this uh, Charlton player at all that's uh, been mentioned, or is that just spurious press? I, I think it might be a, a schoolboy on Twitter starting it off, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll give him the benefit <laughs> of doubt for, for for the moment. Um, I mean, it's not a player I've seen loads of. I've seen him a, a couple of times against City in the odd beyond live game. He's a big old unit. He's about six foot five. Um, mm. And I think it's quite telling that in a in Charlton's YouTube video, the only thing you actually see of him is scoring goals. So actually, he does he does get his head on the on the ball in the other end of the box? But there's I haven't seen anything of him defensively that says he's a he's an upgrade on any of our three starters. So you know, I think on the forum today we're talking mm. about oh, you know, he played instead of Baker on the left hand side of the three. I I, I wouldn't put him above Baker. Um, but, you know, I haven't seen much of him. Other people might have a, a, di- a different view. Um, mm. I think there are other candidates that we should should be going to look at. I know Matt Clark looks like he's going to, to Derby, so we might have to rule that out. I'm sure there are other options over there. I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if Benkovic still happens. I know there was this interest from Russia, but that, that doesn't doesn't seem to, to have materialised. So I think just, once again, a bit of patience here. I, I don't think Nabi... Uh, Sar from from Charlton or ex Charlton is, is is the answer, but you know I'm happy if other people have got a different view on it. Yeah, well look, the fixtures came out. It's three weeks today that the uh, league season starts. We've got Exeter a fortnight today and the Caribou Cup. I guess you know that should be a win for City. Um, would we be surprised if they went out in the first round? Not really. But then the games don't come particularly. If we did get knocked out, it's a nice soft lead into the season. Now, I said to uh, Ian and Fevs, and I'm sure Stanley could be put on the spot as well if we asked. But uh, the question here is the opening 10 games, right? What does good look like? And I posed a question, or I, I made a statement, 14 points. And that was a 3 5 or a 4-2-4 that's not lineups. that's sequence of games to get that and I went through those opening 10 and I don't think I was brutal but I could only get to 13 now so each of you I'll start with uh, Stanley what does good look like for Dean Holden the opening 10 games you know is it 14 15 enough or or what what do you think um Oh, God. I think anything less than 33, and he's got to go. No, I'm only joking. Um, just briefly, <laughs> on, on, I will give him an answer, I promise. Um, just briefly yeah. on Nabi Sarr. I have seen him play. Um, I don't know if anyone watched the, uh, the the playoff final where he back passed it into his own goal from 35 yards out. Did anyone see that? No? I oh, remember that. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. Um, what does good look like for Dean Holden? To be honest, I know Gary Johnson was always quite obsessed, wasn't he, with his 
first 10 games and how that always gives a, a, a true reflection of the league table. Um, I want to see a, a clear style from Dean Holden. That's what I'd like to see. I'd, I'd like to see a clear change um, in the way we're playing football, or at least some stability and consistency in the way we're playing football. Um, in terms of how many points or where we are, I'm not that fussed about points. I'd like to see us, you know, top 10 and a, a, even top half, to be honest, I'd be all right with, as long as we're playing a nice brand of exciting football. The signings we've made are bettered in well and, and we're being entertained. I yeah. wouldn't, I'm not going to get that hung up, to be honest, about points. No, Steve, what do you think? What are your... Uh, I've jumped this one on you because you didn't know I was going to, you know, sort of say, well, how many points on the first 10? I don't know if you've got the fixture list there in, uh, in front of you, but, uh, you know, what does good look like in pure points terms, yeah, uh, in, in your book? Uh, I thought Sandy made a good point there about... Uh, and Brentford, proof of the pudding, uh, the season just gone, uh, getting the shape, style and solidity, if you like, uh, is important. But your question, anything, if he could hit 15 um, or somewhere close to around there, 14, 15, 16, you're not far off playoff spot, are you? If he mm. could do that, rebuilding a new side in a new tenure, you'd have to say that would be a more than solid start. But I agree with Stanley. I'd like to see his plan more than worry about how many points on the board. Interesting. Fevs, uh, your your thoughts. What's what's the first 10 look like? I've done my predictions here, which I say, I, I put 14 as acceptable, but I got the 13. But Fevs, where, you know, on all sides, the squads aren't settled yet. So it's a little bit academic, but, you know, the fixtures are there. You have five home, five away, as you'd expect. How many points did you top? I, I didn't get uh, past. Those. I didn't get past Exeter in the in the League Cup because uh, I'm, I'm really boring. <laughs> yeah, no time. Take, yeah, no take time. One, one game at a time. Um, now I, I, I spent a bit of time yesterday actually looking at the respective squads and transfers in and out, and, and I think you know Norwich looked like they've they've done some good business. Um, but I, I I think like the others that that kind of clear. I don't want to use the word identity, even though I just have. Uh, but you know, clear style and intent on how we're going to play is is just as important um but i think you know it'd be really good if you can get off to a good start I, and i think if we can be sat there round about mid table just in the top half i think that that would be absolutely fine so that, that 14 15 points I, I i quite like to see us improve home even if that means away form goes goes down a bit um so no, know, i'd agree with that swap, i think a lot of that would... so you know if if we ended like up you know getting yeah. Yeah, a lot ten, of fans would like to point, see better home Ten points from yeah. our first five home games, but only four or five from the away yeah. games. I'd, I'd probably take that, you know. So yeah. different different way of looking at it, I, I, I guess. But I, I think you know mm. some sides have made quite a few signings, but not many people have made any real decent signings to for us to look at that and go, "Cool, that's a they're gonna they're gonna bomb it this season." You know, they're gonna actually fly and they're gonna win it. You know, there's not a Leeds in this in this division or a West Brom this year. Norwich probably look like they might be all right um, in terms of they look like they're recruiting quite well, but there's there's a big expectation that some of their players might go as well before the end of the window, and then they, you've got that settling in period as well. So I think I'm, I'm quite open. Yeah, 14, 15 points. Well, that's be, it. We have got uh, an extended window. Dean yeah. Holden would be pretty happy with that. I would have thought. What are your thoughts on that, uh, Ian? Oh no, Ian's uh, disappeared. I mean, my my, my Ian's uh, Can we send dropped out, out somewhere. 
Yeah, no, so it's partly fear. I mean, I, I looked, and you can't predict, but I'm going to do it anyway. I say Coventry at home win, Stoke away, because I think they're going to be a threat with Michael O'Neill at the helm, lose. Wednesday at home win, Forest away, lose. Then we got the first international break. Barnsley away, draw. Beat Neil Warnock at home, draw against Swansea, lose at Bournemouth, draw at home against Huddersfield, uh, draw at home against Norwich, rather, and an, an away point at Huddersfield. And that gave us 13 points, you know, and I think... We'd be happy with that because that would have us at about um, have us at about twelve. Uh, um, talking about cr- fixtures and what have you, guys. I mean, when do you think we're going to be allowed back in, Steve? When when do you think we're going to be able to go back in through uh, the turnstiles at Ashton Gate in an ideal world? Uh, it's a complete guess, isn't it, Dave? I I would say after Christmas at the earliest. I have to be honest. Um, I've got a very good friend in the quite high up in the NHS and very intelligent, and she thinks this will be going on the general problem for at least another 12 months. Now, how much the government push and allow the football to bend and test it out? Um, I certainly shall be going in, in the near future for a number of reasons, but my guess, Dave, for the general fan is possibly towards or after Christmas. Yeah, Stanley. I know you've been in uh, watching from the gantry uh, for a lot of the games towards the end of last season. But uh, do you think uh, beginning of October for restricted crowds at Ashton Gate with suitable social distancing, or do you think that's a bit of a pipe dream? Uh, I don't know. To be honest, I think uh, whatever happens, there aren't going to be enough fans in the stadium, really. So, to be honest, I think I'm just until everyone's allowed in really or almost everyone's allowed in mm. that's when I, that's the sort of that's the, the the marker that I'm looking out for really when it's jibs and drabs yeah I'm sure it'll be fine I'm sure people will be so excited to, to to get in but until it's back to you know close or something that resembles normality I'm not really going to get too excited about but you are right I mean not to sort of you know rub everyone's nose in it but I did I was very fortunate really that, that City invited me in to be a part of their coverage and watch the game from the gantry really um, I took it. I took it for granted until I think later that evening, really, when I got home and sort of sat down and and just realised that there's probably millions of football fans, really, you know, around the world that haven't been able to watch their club mm. or watch their team and have had to settle for the for the for the television if they're so fortunate. And so to be a part of that and just watch, you know, like a pretty mundane game, really, against Preston, you know, the sort of game that you'd forget pretty soon in a week's time, you know, there's mm. a bit of shouting at the referee, a couple of simple goals, some fouls not too many shots on target. And it wasn't until afterwards that I thought, actually, you know what? I'm quite fortunate there to be able to watch that sort of mundaneness, really, and be able to... Could, you know, could I jump in with a question on that, Stanley? Yeah, go on. Um, go on. What was your experience, Barrett? Was it anywhere near any great enjoyment compared to watching in a half-full, three-quarters full, two-thirds full stadium? Um, because it's great to be able to see the live action rather than on the screen, but... The fact no real fan interaction experience or anything like that. Interested in your experience of it? Yeah, no, it's a good question. It was slightly odd. I mean, the first—I can't remember what the first game was off the top of my head. I think it, I can't remember. But anyway, um, it, it almost felt like I wasn't watching my team mm. in some mm. ways because it was the players. You know, it was the same hairstyles, the same physique, the same shirts on the back, same name, uh, same names on the back of the shirt, rather. But it didn't feel like I was watching my team. You know, it felt like I was watching, you know, an academy game, really, or, or a youth game. Um, there was the fake crowd noise, which sounded hyper-realistic. There was still, you know, the cheers from, uh, you know, John Lansdowne or whoever who was in the sort of the, the fancy seats in the middle and the players who were clapping when people went off. 
But it was a little bit surreal, really. Still very enjoyable. You know, I, I used to watch the academy games when they were at Ashton Gate and absolutely adored doing that. So it's still watching a game of football. You know, I haven't watched a game of football down the park, you know, so even to watch a bit of sport live was amazing. But it was a bit eerie. There was still that sense that, like, this isn't the normal products that we know and love. Um, even though when the goals went in, I just felt... Of course you would. <laughs> There's that sense of detachment. I, I, I watched all the games on uh, TV and I've watched a reasonable amount of football on TV as well. And, you know, but sometimes you can forget about the crowd, but then there's other games where it's really bad. I was chatting to uh, Jonathan Pierce this week and we all know Jonathan and he said he hadn't enjoyed commentating at the games without the stadium, but without the stadiums being full because he said it's just like, it's, it's a very inert environment. Um, Fevs, um, you know, when when do you think we'll we'll get back in? Do you think? As I think Beard has commented, he said first game home against Swansea, which is towards the end of October. Do you think that's realistic, or do you think, uh, as, as Steve has said, we might have to wait until the new year? If it is that early, I, I think it's going to be pretty small numbers. It's going to be kind of test event style numbers. I would I would expect. Um, I, I guess from from my point of view, I've not really thought too much about it because I guess you know. It, with, with, with Joe, we'll probably be one of the last to go back in. Um, we'll be probably watching it on, on Robin's TV for a while. I was going to ask Stanley as, as well um, what he thought about the, the, the actual situation, uh, the place where they do the Robin's TV from, because that's like three or four seats from where we sit. So it's a pretty good view. And that's the one thing I miss about watching it on TV is being yeah. able to see the whole pitch because you miss so much just watching it on that middle 30 yards of the pitch. So I, I was going to ask you what you thought about the view from, from A4, which is where we sit on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I joked, I think, to, to Lisa Knights that, oh, yeah, thanks for being invited, but, you know, did you have to stick me in the corner? Um, but no, it was good. I, 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 personally, I, don't, I hate uh, watching football on the side. It feels like I'm watching a game of tennis sometimes. If it's too fast, I get crooked necks. I'm always behind the goal. You know, I want to be squinting down the <laughs> other end and being like, has that gone in? I don't know what's going on. And then someone screams and you go with it. And then, you know, you get it right down your end. And I, you know, I, when I, my first season ticket at the age of nine was in the Atio, you know, and that was, it's always felt you were sort of like breathing the team down towards you in the second half, you know, so many late goals under Danny Wilson. And it's not quite yeah. the same under, in the South Stand, but I always like being behind Dave, the yeah. goal. You back in. Sorry. Dave, can I, can I just. Mm-hmm. Can I just do a quickie? Um, on the on yeah, the points, on. Uh, after ten, 10 games, I want 18 points. <laughs> because I want to I want to go somewhere. We've just sacked a bloke for being bang average, and now we want to be bang average and play he a bit of nicer football. <laughs> well, I, I think you all lot sound like you want to be bang average. No, we don't. I mean, we what, don't want to be in. I think what we're saying is we just. Well, I'll, I'll say thirty points then. Go on, yeah, I, want, I want thirty points for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if anyone doesn't want that, that's not good enough. Thirty. No, it, they're not bang. They're, what I'm saying is, we just sacked a bloke who can do everything we've just asked for, and would have would have done. He'd have got thirteen points, fourteen points for his ten games. So but why bother not, to change? That my my point is, why bother to change? Eighteen points. And you're on target for the playoffs. And I think with with the squad that we've got and the squad that hopefully we will have, that's where we need to be. But I, I think if, if, if you set your stall out as well, you know, let's be mediocre, you're going to finish up being mediocre. And for me, 18 points with the money we spent, the squad we got, is, is what we should be doing. Surely you, you, aim, for, you aim for 30, Ian, but 
where I think we're just being realistic that he's having to rebuild slightly or sort out the squad that Lee Johnson left with possibly mm. a couple of departures. And uh, he's also, let's be honest, to be fair to him, he's new in the head coach role with two new coaches. So, we, yeah, no doubt he'll be aiming for probably 21 this points is, or something. This is, the, you, what you have to realise about Dean is after a global search taking six weeks... He is the finest available coach in the world. They didn't what, say that. They what, didn't say that, Ian, did they? What What don't you guys see about that? He's the best available coach in the world, or out of the hundreds. You've got to put a rider on that sentence there, because this is fundamental. This is fundamental. He is the best available coach from amongst those that were interviewed, which wasn't that many, that was prepared to work with within the structure we had imposed into, well, no, by hang the on, club. Dave. No, no, no. Right? no. Neither... Well, we, uh, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't know that. That's something you're saying. You don't know that he was the only one or the best one to work under of that structure. A lot of others might have said, yeah, I'll work under that structure. It's great. We don't know. But what I'm saying is he's well, the best available coach in after a global search because that's what Mark Ashton said. He publicly no, said didn't. we've had... Un Patients. Oh. So, if we've got people, they did. That's what the bloke said. From and and Dean Olden, who was already in BS three. In fact, we'd employed him. Was the best available bloke. So, why are we? And, and I don't really accept the point about rebuilding the squad because we we've only had a few players leave. And I, I think what we need to add on top of that, Ian, is so, so we're, we're talking about what do we think is a, a, re, a reasonable start for the fixtures we've got and we've given up, given our opinions. The thing we have to, to understand is, is that that's the first bunch of 10 games. What we've typically had in Lee Johnson's reign is a group of 10 games or eight games where we've picked up bugger all. And that's what's effectively cost us. So what, what I think a few of us are saying is actually we might just have a kind of slow, gradual, build some momentum yeah. under Dean Holder. What we can't afford to do is have another nine games like we had under Lee Johnson mm. post and pre-COVID where we picked up two points. No, that's because correct. that's what cost us. If we'd have picked, yeah. if we'd have picked up yeah, we've had 13, an, an under Lee if we'd have picked Johnson, up 13 or 14 season. points in those nine yeah. games, we'd have been in the playoffs. And, and that's really, that's the mindset we yeah. need to change. Is I, yeah. I, I, I go back to fourteen fifteen season when we, you know, we we dominated that division in a five game spell. Do you know what our lowest points total was in those five games? It was six points. We never did worse than two wins in five games at any point that season. All the other teams, your Prestons. Your MK Dons, they all had periods of five games where they didn't win any of those five games where they either picked up two points or one point. We, and that's what we really need to see here is that kind of momentum building, that ingraining of the system that stops us going on those stupid runs where Lee ended up picking a different team every week or picking the players Indeed. that aren't performing. And, and that's really what we're trying to see out of this. You know, I think all of us would love to see us get off to a flying start of, you know, six yeah. wins, couple of draws, couple of defeats, 20 points and be right up there. 
And, and who knows? We, we might yeah. do. I, I'm, so I'm looking at the, the squad. No one's made any great inroads in the transfer market in this window yet. Still a bit of time to go. Um, and I think we've just yeah. given an opinion at this point in time. No, I agree. And that, and that business of getting points on the board early, we did that in the uh, the um, Tammy Abraham. We did it the Tammy Abraham season, and then we did it the high press season. Season after less so last season wasn't so bad, and then we've consistently fallen away. Even the Tammy Abraham exactly. season when we lost five nil at Preston, and I was at Brentford mm-hmm. when we were rubbish. Right, yeah. the season petered out. So. You know, I think I, I take your point, Ian, that we should be, we all want us to get 18, but realistically, yeah, we look at it and we're just being slightly conservative. We've been, our expectations have been lowered by the appointment. And if Steve Lansdowne had said, when he got rid of Lee Johnson, Lee's taken us as far as we can, but with COVID, we're going to have a period of consolidation. We're going to give it to Dean Holden. He's going to bring in a couple of new coaches as well. But 2021 season is consolidation. There wouldn't have been half the grief given to him and half the anger. Even though you say that, Dave, if that had I, happened, I, yeah, and it's just it's not on that, Dave. Even though even though you've said 2021 season, a season of consolidation, I, I still don't see that. My my no. expectation, even from having Dean Holden in there, is that we're going to challenge for the playoffs. I, I see mm-hmm. no reason why why we shouldn't be. I just think we oh, might here, have here. To just. We might have to gradually build that momentum up. Yeah. Um, get find out what those you know you you don't you don't find your ultimate combination sat on the on the on the training ground. They happen they happen on, on on match days, and there's not probably one manager. Probably Bielsa might be the exception to the rule here that set out his side in the first game of last season, and probably it stayed pretty much the same all the way through the season. You know, and and and, and that's pretty mm. rare. Most most. Managers go into a pre-season, they have all these ideas about this is the way we're going to play in this formation. And by about week six, they've thrown it in the bin. And, and that's what I really hope Dean Holden doesn't do. It's 3-5-2 or 5-3-2, whichever way you want to say it, in whichever combination. And we find those yeah. players that, that fit the roles and those pairings and well, partnerships yeah, that, I, that build us. Ian, did you see the... the, the uh... Bit about Brentford and their start to last season and their analysis of it. I know how many points no, they didn't, got last season in their first ten games. That? By the way, if you want to know. No, sorry, I didn't, what was that, I didn't, Stan? Uh, no, I sorry. didn't see that, mate. Um, well, basically, what they were saying, Ian, is when they were they had a poor start, didn't they, to last season? First ten games, they were, I forget what their points tally was, but you'd be we'd be going up the wall. But their analytics <laughs> department. Had looked at each of those games and convinced, obviously, the coaching staff that they were absolutely on the right track, and that if they stuck with what they were doing, that long term they would benefit. And all right, they just somehow messed it up at the end, but that's what I'm looking for. That that build that chemistry, build the system, trim the squad, sort out the, get everything in place, and gradually get go forward like a, a gradually accelerating car, hopefully. Yeah, no, great. I, I, I like that. I love I, that. A gradually accelerating car. I'd be straight on a big banner, shouldn't we? And put it down Ashton Gate. Um, I, 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 I got like, 12 points yeah. in their first 10 games last Thanks, season. Sam. And I wonder if you can draw parallels between Thomas Frank sort of taking over, working out what he needed to do, what he needed to tweak, what he needed to change, and Dean Holden taking over. I mean, we got 17 points last season. Maybe, maybe Ian would have been buzzing with that and gone, wow, we're great. Brentford are shite. And um, coming into the season would have been the opposite, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I, I'm not that, I I, I'm not that fast about, about points. As long as we're not, as long as we're, 
you know, even, to be honest, if we're top half after 10 points, I would I, be I think content. The, I, th- I think the point uh, I, I'm making, I think the point about consistency is a good one. And if you can build up slowly and consistently, and you, you but I, I, I think what's happened other seasons for some obscure reason, and I'm not exactly sure you can put a finger on it, whether it was fitness, whether it was injuries, is we tended to do okay up to Christmas. Mm. And um, the best example of that was that uh, that defeat at Wolves and then followed very closely by hiding at Villa. And and then we went, we seemed to go backwards, apart from the cup games, um, ever since. And, and I think once a slide has got into the players' minds and it started, I think it's very difficult to unravel that and, and get it out of players' heads, particularly if you've got primarily the same players playing. Um and, yeah. and, I, and I, I wouldn't want to get that. I mean, I want to see good football. I want to see more wins at home and all those things as well. Um, because I think that's one of the things that probably cost Lee his job. If he'd have won three or four more home games yeah. uh, last season, I think he'd still be there. I think you're right. Guys, We've uh, we're going uh, just into an hour, coming up to an hour and ten. One final point I want to discuss. We've got a new shirt sponsor. Uh if I was their marketing team, I'd say, hey, you've come up with the same logo that the Daily Mail icon's got on my uh, on my phone app. But uh, Mansion Bets, should we take the moral high ground as supporters and say we don't really want to be associated with the gaming industry in this day and age? Uh, Stanley, I'll come to you first on that. It's, you know, it's money at the end of the day. And they're a higher profile uh, betting company. I've never heard of Dunder, but I've heard of Mansion before, but... Do you think we're, we're, we're sending out the right message, having another betting company as our sponsor? Well, maybe it should have been Blackthorn, one of the drinks down here for maybe slightly less, but sends out a better social message. Stanley, your thoughts? Um, I mean, well, they're going to get phased out in a few years. So why, why is that happening? Why are they being phased out? I, I, don't, I don't really like it. I don't want it. I like the Swansea have got their university on their, on their um, shirt. It's easy for me to say because I'm not the one that has to run the club and, and get in money, but... I hate this idea of, oh, they pay the most, that they get it. It reminds me of when um, Eddie Hearn was asked about the Anthony Joshua fight in Saudi Arabia, you know, a kingdom where um, being gay is illegal, people are stoned, people are crucified. That's how they put death still, is crucified. And, and Eddie Hearn sort of was like, well, you know, they, they, it's a great opportunity. What a lovely amount of money we're getting, essentially. And the reporter said, what about North Korea? And he said, well, if they pay enough money, as sort of some sort of quip. So I don't agree with that. I don't like it, but the club have to get money. Um, also, the fact that some people are saying, oh, what a shame, Manchester, but how disgusting. We should have alcohol as our sponsor. <laughs> Where's the sense in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve, uh, similar thoughts on you? Brute, quite si- yeah, very simple for me, Dave. Um, within limits, take the most money you can. I wouldn't have, I'm a smoker, but I wouldn't have cigarette uh, advertising, betting. You can't listen to the radio or watch a single episode of anything on Sky without being absolutely bombarded with Sky, uh, with betting uh, adverts. In the whole scheme of things, for us to do it, I have to say, if the, the offer is good for betting, I take it. Yeah, Fevs, your thoughts on that on sponsorship? Yeah, I've, I've, I've sat here with my my laptop and my my iPad open and uh, with the fixtures on them, and uh, got Mansion Bet. At the bottom left, uh, sorry, bottom right, and, and next to it we've got Sky Bet Championship. So you know we're kind of the whole the whole league is yeah. has got a sponsor with with betting mm. company. It doesn't particularly sit very easy with me. I think you know they're they're a more moral 
sponsors we could have. I, I don't know if anyone saw the the mock up kit that someone did last. Week. I know you did, Ian, because you, you commented on my tweet, which was a uh, which had a. Uh, Children's Hospice Southwest as the sponsor, mm. and and I, I made a, a fairly throwaway comment. Oh, was that the black shirted what, third kit that somebody came yeah, up with? What, yeah. what, what a statement that would yeah. make! And we saw last year with kind of Paddy Power and I think it was Huddersfield, and I know it was a betting company. Just kind of ignore that for the moment. Where <laughs> they actually went with a sponsorless shirt, didn't they? And, and you know, it was all basically the, mm. the yeah. Paddy Power yeah. made made their money out of the the whole hype around it. So, you know, and I, I kind of flippantly said to, to, to Ian on Twitter that maybe Steve Lansdowne could could be the shirt sponsor, pay his fair yeah. market rate for sponsorship of a kit and stick Children's Hospice South, Southwest on, on the front. You know, that just, that would have been that would have been just, utopia for me, but, you know, we're in the world of greedy football, so it ain't going to happen. You, you just, I think I'd, I'd, I'd love to have been the guy that went to Steve Lansdowne and said, Steve, you know we're going to lose £8 million this year, yeah? You couldn't give us another half a million for the shirt, could you? I'd have loved to be. I'd have loved to have heard that conversation. If, if he'd have picked me up in his helicopter and flew me over to Guernsey to chat about it, I'd have, I'd have done it, Ian. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I, and I tell you what, I'd have, I'd have flown you over there as well. That'd be just worth it. Just, just briefly, guys. Sorry, I know I sort of took up a whole minute of this little top, this little topic with a rant, and I, this might be the first time that I've mentioned the gas on a city podcast for a long time. But um, I don't know how, if, you, if you guys know how they used to do their sponsor. I think when they were in the National League or League Two, they did a big raffle, so you could basically mm-hmm. buy raffle tickets for their, and so they sold thousands. There were local companies, there were big businesses, and the winner, the the, t- the the people that won to be the sponsor of their shirt for a year was the Sportsman Pub, which is essentially like their version of the Robins or the Three Lions. Yeah. And so for a season, this amazing promotion season, when they got back into the league or into League One, I can't remember which one it was, the local pub was the sponsor of their shirt. If he was so inclined to, Fevs, could under FFP, could Steve Lansdowne do that? I don't see. Yes, you yeah, I, I believe all all you're constrained is is that it has to be at a fair market rate. Right. So you know, if I had a half a million pounds spare to yeah. to sponsor shirts, I could do that, and I could put whatever I wanted on the on the front of the shirt right. as long as it's you know fits within on, the. I'm not saying that. Uh, on that on that Rovers thing, I heard that raffle raised three grand. <laughs> Minus the cost no, of the book of tickets. It's very good. It's a good point, Stanley. Rovers did it. I can remember. I can remember about ten. Well, no, fifteen years ago. For some reason, I was down at Yeovil, and they done exactly the same thing. You know, and and it's like the there's a there's an ad for a million pound house on television at the moment. You know, where you you know if you get fifty thousand people put two quid each in or twenty quid each, you've raised your money. Do you know what I mean? It's a good way of doing it. I don't know how much she, I've got no idea because another one it's an undisclosed sum I'm sure or at Bristol City but how much an average shirt sponsorship is in the championship Fevs anybody got any ideas what average is <laughs> I've rumoured I've rumoured that Lancaster Scott was something like about quarter of a million when they did it but once again I, that's no real knowledgeable source I think it, so I'd I imagine Dunder it... to buy them out must have been at least half a million if not more and the, and the yeah. Rovers, uh, Stan, the, the actual winners, they had to change it and change plans was Babe Station. Uh, and they had to redraw it. That's why the uh, sportsman got it. <laughs> I was just thinking, I love this idea Sorry, of a million Dave. pound house. Like we, could, we could always do that and then buy another Marley Watkins to never play, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and plus the wages. I, I just, <laughs> I, I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to, on, on the shirt, I think betting companies at the moment, one of the reasons that they, they sponsor so many things is they're the only people with money. 
And if, if yeah. you look at the industry, I mean, construction, every construction company I know is, is the, the, the first thing they've done is cancelled all their advertising and sponsorships. They've, yeah. they've just stopped mm-hmm. and, and got rid of it. And um, whether they were sponsoring... And, 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 and I think that's the only reason why the, the Premier local. League... And as for universities, you can also question the morals of a university spending money on advertising, can't you? Yeah. Well, yeah, by the fees they charge. Um, no, it's interesting. I mean, somebody mentioned the gas. It's the first time we've had the gas mentioned on there. And there's nothing wrong with that because I'm a, you know, I'm not a gas hater. Um, but, you know, never, you know, um, there seems to be a bit going on over there at the moment. They've signed a few players. They've cleared their debts. I mean, do you think... Got this is a heretic question, but do you think they're a threat in League One next season? Do you think you know? Do you think they've got their act together? Well, the lad, the lad they signed from Coventry, we were linked to him uh, at one point. That's what made me say. One point, That's what made one me point say. Last season, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Westbrook. 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 That's the fellow. Mm, yeah, and um, we were linked with him at one point last season. So. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't honestly take a lot of note. The only other thing I got into a conversation the other day with my brother-in-law, who is a gas head, and we were talking about building the ground down at the fruit market. Um, and, uh, you know, some we, we were talking yeah. about yeah. what happened when Steve Lansdowne tried to, you know, with all the money he's got, build a new ground. And, uh, you know, we had every kind of reason in the world why we can't build it. So I just said to him, you know, good luck with it. But I don't still, I still don't quite know where the funding would come from to build that. But I don't know enough about it. So please, if anybody knows, tweet me and tell me. Well, there we go. Guys, 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 it's been a great session. Uh, Stanley, thanks for coming on and uh, joining us. You know, it's been really good to have you on. I think you said in the, when you reached out to me, it'd be good not to have to be in the chair, but you've made a valuable contribution. Steve, you've been in um, all the time for the first time. So welcome to you. Dave Fevs, as uh, always, uh, thanks to him. I think he's gone off and got his dinner now. And Ian, uh, your little rant uh, on the 18 points, that's uh, worthy of uh, listening to it again as well. I mean, we'll have another one uh, before the season starts. I've got part two of In Conversation with Phil Tockle to uh, put out there. Um, But, Guys, enjoy the rest of your Saturdays, uh, Saturday or Saturdays without football. Thanks a lot for coming in. It's been a really good session. All the best, Thanks, guys. See you later. Thanks, Dave. Cheers, 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 Cheers. Bye bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye. Rest of the weekend. Bye bye. Bye bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you still the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. All the McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.